Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Sailors, soldiers and slaves. We're going to study Corinthians today. So if you've got your Bibles, open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is what it says in verse 26. Actually, while you're turning to 1 Corinthians, one of the ways I know how old our church is, is uh, every time our son Charlie's birthday comes around, that's how I remember. And he turned seven just this past week. And I just thought, you know, it's our church. He's my son, so I'm going to do it anyway. I want to show you this fishy court. So check this out. Look at this fish. So that's Charlie turned seven just the other day and his uncle Jeremy and his dad and his BB took him fishing. And I I don't know if you can see it or not, but he didn't want to touch the actual fish. So he pulled his sleeves down. So there you go. We're still going to work on that. But but mum's going to have to get the slime out of that top, so... And, and Mama was on the trip too, as well. She was there as well. All right, you're there. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 is what it says. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to things, to bring nothing to things that are. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your your word today. Lord, we're grateful for all that you're doing in our midst. And so, Father, we thank you for another Sunday that doesn't have to be like any other Sunday, Lord, because everything is fresh in your presence, Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And God, wherever you are, wherever you're moving, there's always fresh bread. There's always fresh produce. There's always fresh supply for your people. So God, I pray through your word today that you would give to us new bread. And Father, we just are so grateful for all that you're doing. Lord, we're thankful for all the baptisms that are going to take place today after the 11.15 a.m. service, Lord. Dozens of people choosing to be baptized into new life, God. We're thankful for them. We pray for them, Lord. And God, we also pray for colonial kids who are having all in church today. And Father, we ask that you would bless them with your word today as well. In Jesus' name, we all said. So last week, we began a new series called Epistle. And last week was Galatians. And this series is going to be a little bit more teaching than preaching. Okay. And so that's just sort of different, I guess, for this particular series, but I'm excited about studying some of these New Testament letters. The cool thing is, is that the New Testament is mostly filled with letters. And this is where we as a church and as Christians, as believers, get our core doctrine. This is where we get our instruction. This is where we get so much of what we understand about this new covenant that we're in is actually from the New Testament letters. 
That's our Bible. The New Testament's made up of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts of the Apostles. And then wedged between Acts and Revelation is letters. Literally letters. (laughs) That sounds like me talking (laughs) on your phone. (laughs) Tim's got some technical problems down here. It's okay. We'll keep going. So last week we studied Galatians. Just a quick recap. You're free from your past. You're propelled into a glorious future in Jesus' name. And you're saved to bear one another's burdens in Christ, to do the work of Christ. But this week, sailors, soldiers and slaves, Paul's epistle, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We're going to cover some ground today, so we're going to get to it. But we couldn't study Paul's letters without taking a moment to understand Paul, okay? The apostle Paul is the the New Testament preeminent apostle. There was no one like Paul. What's interesting about the apostle Paul is he was not part of the 12, okay? But he still got his revelation from Jesus Christ himself, okay? That's That's a key understanding that you've got to have that, yes, he didn't walk with Jesus through his ministry on earth, but Paul actually still got his revelation and his apostleship, his calling from Jesus Christ himself. Paul was a zealous, passionate, well-trained, well-educated, smart Jewish boy from Tarsus. He was born Saul of Tarsus. By the way, he didn't get a name change like Peter did. Okay, some people think, and this is just a misunderstanding, that people think that Saul became Paul. That's not actually the case. Saul was his Hebrew name and Paul was his Greek name. And that's a, that was common at the time that you would have both. But it's actually important to Paul's story. And you're going to see in a moment. But he was born a Pharisee in Tarsus on the coast um, of what today would be modern day Turkey. But he was unique because he was a Jew, but also a Roman citizen but he understood Greek influence. So he understood the culture. He would have seen as a young boy growing up as a a Jewish boy being well-trained, he would have understood that the Jewish people were under attack, that the the, the Greek influence was coming into the Jewish culture. It's called the Hellenistic culture. That's Greek culture coming in, but then also the Romans were coming over. So you had Roman occupation pressing down on the Jewish people and then you had the Greek influence coming into the side of the the Jewish people, affecting their culture. Some of the the Jewish people, Paul would know this from studying in the rabbinical schools that some of the the Jewish people were starting to pick up some of the the, the Greek traditions and starting to, to, to become not as pure as they used to be. This is all important in Paul's story because of what God would do. God would use the pedigree he gave Paul to be the bridge to then take the gospel to the Gentiles. And you and I can be grateful for that today. In Acts 9, when he was saved, we see this as almost the pinnacle of the persecution at the time of the early church. Paul was there when the stoning of Stephen Stephen happened. Paul was in a leadership role, taking letters to go and reprimand, persecute Christians, followers of the way. He was this nationalistic, hyper-zealous, hyper-devout Jew with a sharp eye for the Jewish faith. So what did God do? He blinded him. He took his sharp eye 
and he blinded him. And it's at Acts 9 and verse 3. And look at what it says. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it goes on and it talks about the conversion moment for Saul. It was a blinding revelation that Paul got. But I want to show you something that maybe you've never seen in Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at it again. Look at what it says in verse 3. You've got to understand this about Paul to understand his letters. Verse 3, now as he went on his way, underline that word, his, because what was he doing? He was on his way. And his way wasn't working. That's exactly like you and me until we meet Jesus. We're on our way. I was on my way, doing my thing, living my life, going about what I wanted to do. I was on my way and then I met Jesus in my life. And that's what's happened to people who call upon the name of Jesus. You go in your own way and then all of a sudden, God calls you to follow his way to become a follower of Jesus as Paul did and he became the leading apostle of the way. So let's break down and study together 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We're going to focus mostly on 1st Corinthians Corinthians today, but the first letter has 16 chapters, the second letter has 13 chapters. The first letter deals in the first half of it about issues in the church, sin that was in the church, division that was going on in this early church. And then the second half focuses more on spiritual matters, focuses more on spiritual maturity. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians is mostly about generosity and him defending his role as apostle, him defending his position as apostle. And I love the way that Paul does it. He doesn't come in and say, well, you should just do what I told you to do. But instead, as a father, he reasons with his children of the faith. So they're the two letters. We're going to focus mostly on the first. But what was the purpose of the epistle to the Corinthians? It was because Paul founded the church. He spent a year and a half there. He understood these people. He spent time with these people. He spent time in their homes. He spent time around the table with them. He, he spent time walking with them through life. Here are some of the central themes of First and Second Corinthians. The themes are this, Christian unity, Christian love, and order in the church. Love and order. So what was going on in Corinth and why was a letter, why was an epistle necessary. Corinth was an interesting place. It was a notorious port town. It was located on a two-mile strip between the major part of Greece and then this separate coastline. I'll show you a map right here. But last week we were over here. I'm not sure if you can see, but it says Galatia. That's where we were last week. And then shifting over here, you can see Corinth. And right in the middle is this strip of land that was like two miles long. Imagine, just think about St. Augustine Beach, you know, just this strip of land and on the other side was another body of water. 
So what happened was is that people with vessels and people that are trying to go from the south part of the Mediterranean to the north part of the Mediterranean would stop in Corinth. And the reason they would stop in Corinth is because it was a whole lot easier to stop in Corinth than go all the way around and deal with rocks and deal with navigation and deal with storms and all that sort of stuff. So people would bring their vessels literally to the beach. They would bring it to the port in Corinth and then, then people there would literally take the goods off one ship, go two miles or whatever the, the distance was to the other side of the strip and then to put on the, the goods onto another ship. And what happened was it created this bustling marine trade. And actually, in some cases, they would actually move the vessels completely. I'll show you a picture. Can you put up the picture of the, 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 uh, the road? So this, this roadway, this limestone rock in three different rows, and they would literally take a vessel from one body of water over that road on logs to the other side. But what that meant was that there, would need, there, there was a need for people. There was a need for, for, um, for, for marine trade. Ship captains would come through this area all the time. And, and basically what happened was the Roman uh, emperor at the time said to ex-soldiers, go and have land, take this land, much like Philippi, take this land and you, you can settle there. You can make money there. There's amazing trade happening. And this is a port town, one of the only port towns you can go from south to north. It was a very, very vibrant place. There was tons of money being made. People were becoming successful. There were uh, slaves that were becoming free. There were sailors that were going there. It was a busy, busy, happening place. It was also, because of that, because of that transient culture, it was also a very immoral place. It was a place where there was all kinds of immorality going on. To, to say that someone is, uh, to someone is living a Corinthian life means to say that that person's living a promiscuous or wild life. There were veterans, there were freed men and women, there were sailors and they all had money to spend. There's an old saying about Corinth, which is this, the voyage to Corinth is not for every man. And because of that is because of the craziness that would happen in Corinth. Having a family in Corinth was seen as a deterrent in life. But the Apostle Paul plants a church there. Why? Well, let me say it this way. It's more correct to say it this way. The Holy Spirit would have the Apostle Paul plant a church there. But why? Think about it. A booming town, population coming in, this booming connection point, a transient Gentile culture full of people who haven't the faintest clue who Jesus is. Paul being from Tarsus, having all the understanding, knew this would be an amazing place for a church. And many scholars believe it was Paul knowing the potential influence of Corinth that he decided that strategically this would be an amazing place for a church because so many people came into Corinth, stayed for a little while, maybe a year or two, one or two winters, and then they would shoot off into all parts of the known world in the Mediterranean. This was an amazing place to plant a church. But this was a young church. And just like any young child, a father was needed to bring correction, to bring love, to bring help where it was needed. So Paul would respond in his letters. And he believed it was his responsibility to this church to bring the truth and the love and the correction, which is the major theme of these two letters. So what are the takeaways? Number one, 
takeaway is this. This is what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth and he's also God saying to the church today, number one, following the way means changing your ways. Let me say it a different way. How you live matters to God. The way you go about your life even talks about the way that they would boast. Let me show you 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? There was an issue with behavior. There was, a, there was a, an issue with the way that people were living their lives. Eugene Peterson, I love Eugene Peterson. I love reading him. And he said this about Paul's letter to the Corinthians. He said, when people become Christians, they don't at the same moment become nice. <laughs> this always comes as something of surprise. Conversion to Christ and his ways doesn't automatically furnish a person with impeccable manners and suitable morals. And the Apostle Paul will deal with the behaviours as well. But as a loving father, he will address them and say, hey, you know, someone who really loves you will point out the stuff that kind of stinks in your life. Someone that truly loves you will say, hey, this is an issue and it needs to be dealt with. But Paul addresses it like this, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. What's happening on the inside of me must be visible on the outside of me. At some point, the rubber has got to hit the road on the exterior of my life. And this is why the church exploded in Corinth because it was a godless place there. There were so many idols. People were looking for all kinds of gods. People were looking for all kinds of things to make them happy. It was full of immorality and sexual living outside of marriage without a second thought. And Paul addresses this behavior dead on. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become flesh. Prostitution was rife in Corinth and Paul had to clearly define what sexual immorality was for the Corinthians. It was clearly laid out. Chapter 7 is where we get our clear biblical teaching about the power of the sexual ethic in our own lives and how to, how to go about it. Paul says, outside of the covenant of marriage, it's the wrong way to live. Change your ways. How you treat and how you take care of your own bodies, it matters to God himself because he gave it to you. Let me show you a verse we, we've all heard before. Flee from sexual immorality. This is chapter 6 and verse 18. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. He says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We say that a lot, don't we? My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This came from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. But he used this language. He called it a temple. Why? Because there was a temple in Corinth. There was a very well-known temple in Corinth where prostitution would happen, where people would go. It was almost like this tourist destination in a sense. It's where frivolous living would take place. It's where sea captains would go. It's where freed soldiers would go and freed people would go and soldiers would go. And Paul says, no, 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 no. 
That's not the temple. The real temple is the Holy Spirit in you. That's the real, that's the purified part of you. That's the part that you've got to focus on. Don't worry about that temple. Think about the fact the Holy Spirit is inside you. And that's why the way you live matters. Because of what God has done on the inside of you. So number one, what does he say to the church? He says, following the way means changing your ways. Number two, Paul says this to the church. He says, it's not about me, it's about him. See, in this letter, in the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul's having to at times defend his apostleship. He's having to defend his role as their founding pastor, as their key teacher, as the one that, 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 that started all of it. And he's addressing these issues. He was an apostle. He was their pastor. He, was, he loved them. 1 Corinthians 1.11, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says it again in chapter 3. Verse 9, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. This is what Paul says. He says, guys, what, 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 what's going on? There's some of you that are talking about following Apollos. There are some of you that are talking about, no, no, I follow Paul. And he says, whoa, 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 it's not about me. It's about God. It's not about what I've done. It's not about what I'm able to, to, to contribute. It's not just about me. Think about God. It's not about a man. It's not about God. He says, guys, you're missing it. It's about Jesus. And the main deal here is that God is the one who brings about the increase. God is the one who brings about all the goodness in your life. If you've been healed today, it wasn't me or the person that prayed for you. It was God working through them. Paul says, it's not about me. It's about Him. You know, Jill and I, when we started Colonial Church, it was birthed out of a vision that God gave Jill and I to see this church here in St. Augustine. That's where it came from. But it came from God giving us the vision. So even I can't claim ownership of the vision. Okay? And Jill and I, were the pastors of this church. And you know what? We, we love you. We love our church. I love this church. I love our people. I love you. Jill and I, we love you. And we hope that you will love us. That would be nice. It would even be nice if you appreciated what we do. It would be nice if you appreciate what Jeremy and Katie do and our executive team and all our pastors and all our staff. It would be so nice. But you know what's way more important to us? That you love, that you notice, that you appreciate, that you serve, that you follow. Come on, somebody. King Jesus. Because He's the one that brings about the work in your life. He's the one that brings about the goodness in 
your life. And I love it when people come in and they talk about my amazing singing and Jill's eloquent preaching. <laughs> I appreciate that. But you know what I say? I say, it's not about my singing. <laughs> it's not about Jill's teaching. It's about Jesus. And every single person that walks through the door of Colonial Church, you know what our heart is? That they would understand that this is a house of worship, that this is a house of prayer, that this is a house that is focused on Jesus. This isn't about a man. This isn't about an individual. This isn't about gifting. This isn't about talent. This is all for Jesus and no one else. And Paul says this to the church and the church is still being taught this to this day. There are still places in the body of Christ where this isn't right, that this is still being fashioned out. And we've got to understand, yes, God puts his blessing on people. Yes, praise God, he calls people. Man, I'm thankful that God knows how to find David's in the back part of the field. But, to, but let me tell you right now, it's got nothing to do with the man. It's got everything to do with God working through people. And I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Paul and just be like, guys, God's in this. Forget about it or everything else. Everything else is superfluous. So number two, he says, hey, guys, 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 please, just remember it's all about Jesus. He's the one who brings the increase. He's the one who brings the growth. And then finally, and this is the big theme of Corinthians, is this. Number three, order is important and so is love. See, people were caught up in sin. People were caught up in immorality. People were caught up in factions and division. There are all, 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 also situations where literally Paul says to the church, hey, guys, the church services you guys are having in the homes are so messed up, it almost would be better if you didn't meet at all. Could you imagine that kind of church? Where the pastor says to the people, hey guys, like this is so messed up, it's actually better if we just don't have church. People would be better off in that scenario. But Paul, like a loving father, will come before the church in Corinth in this letter and say, guys, we're going to get this into order. Order is important. Order matters. And this is a way that the Holy Spirit can flow in our lives. This is a way that Holy Spirit can do what He needs to do. But you know what's also really important and a great way to bring order into a church is love. And whether it's infighting, whether it's disorder, whether it's sin, whether it's a dispute between two people, you know what's most important? Love. And that's what Paul says to the church. Paul attempts as a loving father to bring unity to the church through love. Chapter four and verse 14, he says, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ through the gospel I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. Paul will tell his beloved church in Corinth, do what you got to do. Do what you need to do. But the right way, the best way is love. And then this is where we get this famous verse in chapter 13. 
In verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Come on, someone been to a wedding and heard this verse. This came from Paul's letter. Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The very best way to build the church is to build it with love. We're all called to spiritual maturity, Paul says, and to help each other. But the way we do it is to lovingly, graciously build each other up. And if there's no love in the house, God's not there. You know who said that? John. We're going to get to John later in this series, but it's what it says in 1 John 4 and verse 8. It says, Anyone who does not love does not know God. Wow. Because God is love. How are we going to build a great church here in this amazing city that God has called us to be? It's love. Lovingly going after the people that don't know Jesus yet. Would you stand with me? I want to remind you that this week there'll be an email that'll come out with further study for you to dive into First and Second Corinthians. I mean, there's only so much we can get to in a Sunday morning service. I'm grateful for what we do have, but I do want to encourage you to go a little deeper, open up the Word, Spend some time in, in prayer and study the book. Study 1 Corinthians, 16 chapters. Study 2 Corinthians, 13 chapters. and See how this book is speaking to us today. See how this letter is helping us today. Be the believers that God has called us to be. Yes, we're not in Corinth. We're in St. Augustine, but we've got a world to reach. We've got people to love. We've we got, we got neighbours that don't know Jesus yet. There is so much for us. Lord, we just thank You right now, God. Father, we're grateful for this letter. We're grateful for this opportunity to be like the church, God, to understand there's a whole world around us that needs Your love, that maybe hasn't encountered the love of Christ, that hasn't understood the grace of God. So God, I just pray right now that You would help us, build us up as the church, Lord. And then help us through love, Lord, to build each other up, to be, the, to be the conduit of Your love and the extension of Your grace in a dying and a hurting world, God. Father, we thank You for all that You're doing here, Lord. We give this to You. We say that it's all about You in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's sing. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.